dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. It's Father Michael. Today's Mother's episode, and she is talking about a reflection, a prayerful reflection she had on Romans 12, where Paul describes what it means and what we should be uh, focusing on as we live our lives as Christians. Uh, we reflect upon how we are to practically weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, how we are to respond to those who throw evil at us with good. And also, uh, Mother Natalia's her reveals her ministry of awkward. Um, so I would encourage you to stick around for that, something she's very, very good at and called by our Lord and given the grace to, uh, to live out in his glory. Um, if you are a hashtag banter hater, go ahead and skip ahead to eight minutes and 50 seconds or around there. Glory to Glory Jesus forever. Christ. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, all right. Glory to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory forever. You need to move closer to the mic. Why'd you put the microphone so far from you, Father Travis? <laughs> <clears throat> You're the host. You prayed for charity before. <laughs> Receive that right now. Um. It's good to be with you guys. There's lots you of too, people Mama. here right now. Um, we have Father Michael O'Loughlin, who co-hosts this podcast. We have, I don't know why I'm being so awkward. Just um, introduce everybody. Give Father Travis. Out. Hello. Um, we have uh, a squirrel amongst us, Perla, off in the distance. She's waving. He's giving me a look. There's um, Taryn. Welcome, Taryn. Dennis is your last name, right? Um, for now. Father, for, <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> that was rather bold. Um, we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, Father, Father Dufresne, who's um, been on the podcast before a couple of times, actually. And um, am I allowed to share our two little guests, Perla? And we have um, my goddaughter, Jelly Angelica. And she's doing a little dance. It's pretty great. And then next the to her. The queen of cringe. And then, <laughs> hey. And then next to her is um, who <laughs> the queen of cringe. She wants that name. All right. Um, her sister, Michaela. Um, do you want to explain why you're calling Michaela the <laughs> queen of cringe? <laughs> yeah. I might have tried to show her um, and her siblings a video that I made one time. And I was really excited for them to see it. And it is a rap video about John Paul II, but Michaela, <laughs> we were about five seconds in, and she said, hmm, starting off pretty cringy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good humility check. <laughs> the queen of um, calling out cringe. Uh, humility check. I think Taryn's the only one who noticed. But I just tried to take a drink of my ginger beer with the, <laughs> with the cap still on. <laughs> wow, just a lot of exciting things happening today. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyways, fever tree ginger beer, very delicious. Not it's not alcoholic, it's not actual beer. It's, right. Anyways. I mean they do make ginger beer that's alcoholic. <laughs> but this is not. <laughs> anyways, um this is a History great of start. Beer. This is a really good banter. Um <laughs> Father Travis, when was we were talking about this yesterday. When was the last time you were in Denver? Six years ago. When I left. Is that the whole story? No, I'm just thinking about it. Give me a break. <clears throat> I'm used to these 20-minute podcasts that I do, so i got to just like drag it out, you know? Um, <laughs> I went to spirituality year at San Giovanni, and then I was asked to transfer to Kenrick in St. Louis, and I have not been back to Denver, Colorado in six years, so it's fun to be back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the last time you were here, six years? Yeah. Was that during spirituality year? Yeah. Like That's that, impossible. Like 2016. Oh, that's right. You were still Math. here after I entered the monastery. Correct. I forgot about that. I was thinking we left at like the same time. No. Okay. Yep. Well, Father Travis is just, I asked if he wanted to come back while I'm here in my home visit and do some hiking um, with Father Dufresne and me and with some other friends who are going to be in town. And I squeeze it um, in. And with the Hoskins family and with Laura and lots of fun people. Um, speaking of which, preliminary shout out. Preliminary. Is that the right Who word? Who are you shouting out? What? Who's the shout out? Um, people that we haven't met yet. So is preliminary the right word? I don't know. I'm just moving us on to okay. the shout out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> also, so tomorrow we're meeting up with um, a listener, uh, Jeff, 
who uh, lives in Boulder. And so we're going to do some hiking with him. So I haven't met, I haven't met him. And so that's fun. We're going to go hiking with him. And then we're also doing, Father Travis will be gone at this point, but Father Dufresne and I and some other friends will be hiking with um, Sonia and Meredith, who are both podcast listeners as well in the Springs on Monday. So that's fun. That's Sweet. pretty cool. Um, well, yeah. when you come out here, Mother, we're going to have to find a time to go hiking because actually the hiking here is pretty incredible in the Santa Monica mountains. Like you actually, I always want to go hiking with you and you're just like, "Eh." really? Yes. I don't remember being, "Eh." (laughs) like, like even here in Denver, like when we've come, when you come out here at the same time and I'm like, Hey, do you want to go for a hike with us? And you're like, yeah, I mean, we can do whatever. Hiking's fine. Yeah. Hiking is just not on my top 10 things to do, but that's what I'm saying. If if you have other people there, I'll let you do it with them. But if you're here, <laughs> then I don't want you to go hiking alone. That's Why? Because LA's weird. <laughs> like there's there's weird, scary people here that okay. that I could hire to try to attack you, and then I could defend you, and people would think so well of. <laughs> it's like Nacho I was Libre. just yeah, I was yeah. thinking of that. <laughs> it's a have you move. seen Have you seen Nacho Libre? <laughs> Not well, a long, long time ago. <laughs> Oh man, that's a great movie. Anyways, there's a. Can you stop clicking your pen, please? Thank you. Yeah, Father Travis, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it has a cap. No, now it has no cap. <laughs> no cap is a, it's a cool thing to say these days. I'm pretty cool. I'm oh, hip. <laughs> pretty cringe. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're going to. Speaking of cringe, Father, does anybody call you. Do you have a nickname? I thought of one for you, if not. Uh, I bet you're going to make a connection. What are you going to say, Father Cringe, or what are you going to say? No, I was going to say Father Trotty. Father Trotty. For Travis Travis Crotty. Crotty. That's pretty good. That's been done before, I think. Okay, sorry. Uh, One guy called me in seminary, um, Sauerkraut, for a Crotty. That was probably my favorite one. (laughs) T-Crot is like a a usual one. Oh, like short for T-Crotty, but it also sounds like teapot. Is that the point? Um, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. The Do you know kids, Father Josh yeah. Mayer? Do you know Father Josh Mayer from Real Life or from Twitter? From, the guy he's from, from the Diocese of Gallup, yeah. I know. Yeah. I was in seminary with him, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So um, so he got the nickname The Big Flower. Um, this is like my favorite nickname ever because he does great things with little love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because instead of little things little with great flower. love, the little flowers, so they call it the big mm-hmm. flower. That's very funny. <laughs> but she's just so humble and so kind and generous that it just does not fit him at all. But it was it was funny. It's my favorite thing. I okay. forget who gave him that. Um, I'm gonna move into the topic. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is really great. I'm happy to be with you guys. Um, it's really fun to be in Colorado to be with my friends and all of that. But uh, moving on to the topic. So. I wanted to talk about Father Travis is looking at my notes, which like are not comprehensive at all. I don't use notes when I record podcasts. I'm just kind of fascinated by it. I you use notes, Father Michael? Not at all. Never. <laughs> May, maybe once. You did on the last one we recorded, or that the two the ago, once. the Holy Land. The, the all right, what's on the notes? Okay, so <laughs> I I was thinking about Father Michael the pen. Please put the pen down. <laughs> Um, I was <laughs> thinking about Father Travis. It's funny because right before we were recording, Father Travis like was talking about how that's what he does during. He's on a podcast with his vocation director, his old vocation director, um, Father Shane Demon. Demon. Mm-hmm. I almost said that, and then I was like, that can't be the correct correct pronunciation. Why are you doing that, <laughs> Father Michael? Yeah, Father Shane Demon and I have a podcast called Outcast Catholic. We have some people, a couple people who have heard our podcast mentioned on each other and listened to both of us, which is really Oh, cool. that's really mm-hmm. fun. Uh, Father Michael is just shining a flashlight into the camera, so that's great. Um, anyways, Father Travis said that when they record, he's always the one like playing just, like, with things on the... Stop. I touch yeah. the table like this sometimes and just move stuff around. Yeah. I feel you. Um, yeah. The children aren't the problem. The children are doing great. Great job, Michaela and Jelly. <laughs> They're like being quiet. They're just listening in and... Father Travis and Father Michael are the problem. Um, okay, so we did a podcast recently, uh, not like the most recent one, but um, a couple podcasts ago, 
um, a few podcasts ago about, we were talking about the collar and the habit and how this is a witness to people. Um, and it's also a reminder to ourselves. And we kind of asked, you know, listeners, like, what is the thing that you wear or that you, um, that kind of sets you apart as a Christian? And, and I was reflecting on that more this morning because I was praying with this passage from Romans 12, uh, this morning and it's Romans 12. Nope. That's a lie. It's Romans. Where was it? (laughs) That's Matthew. That's the gospel of Matthew that I'm in. That's why I'm not finding it. Um, It is Romans 12 (laughs) Um, verses nine through 21. So this, this section is in the RSV. It's labeled as um, marks of the true Christian. And so St. Paul is just describing um, what a Christian how a Christian acts and, and what distinguishes a Christian and which is very similar to the episode we did on the letter to Diognetus. And I was praying with this because I think it's like a really good check um, for people who want to know if they're living their Christianity well, and if they're witnessing to Christianity, I think that this passage is a really good check. And um, I'll, I'll read the passage in a, in a moment, but first I want to, um, explain why I thought this was a really good topic to have with the two of you, Father Michael and Father Travis, because I had this really amazing experience on the flight here uh, from Cleveland. Nope, Baltimore. I was flying here from Baltimore. And on the flight here, so it's like a four-hour flight. The woman sitting next to me um, on the plane, she and I talked the entire time. And uh, And it was just really beautiful and also very fascinating and and gave me a lot to reflect on because she and I um, are coming from very different places in our spirituality um, and in our, like where we're both at on the, on the journey right now. Um, But um, why are you shaking your head? You're just getting comfy. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I got My you. Brain. No, we're on the same page. I got you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking to a lady on the plane, both of by four hours long. Okay. So, um, so she was asking questions. Um, she was asking questions about my faith and about what it's like to be a nun. And she was asking about like my conversion story. She was asking about the podcast came up and she was very, very interested in the podcast and said she wants to listen. So, um, Laura, if you're listening right now, shout out. But, it, it was just, it was so cool to have this experience in direct contrast to an experience I had a couple of weeks ago where one of the other nuns and I were grocery shopping and this woman kind of corners me in the vegetables. And she, as she's talking to me, um, she's a Christian Scientologist and she's, she's just like, she's also asking questions but in a way, kind of like what we were talking about with the guy who was jogging around the lake with me um, or around the pond with me. She's asking questions in a way that's like very provocative and very like she's just wanting to make her point and she's just wanting me to say something so that she can contradict it. And and there like I felt no genuine desire from her to know me better, to know my heart better, to know my faith better, um, anything like that. Um you know, and so like in that conversation, one of the things that she says is like, well, I'm a Christian Scientologist and we don't worship Mary. And I was like, oh, well, neither do we. And um, so that was just whatever. But the, but this woman on the flight, like she was asking questions about what we believe because she genuinely wanted to know what we believe. And as, as we're having this conversation, um, because of her openness and her desire to actually listen, I, that kind of projected onto me. And I also had an openness and a willingness to just listen and hear her, um, as opposed to just jumping into the defense and getting angry or, or whatever it is, you know? And so as she's sharing her views, um, and some of her thoughts, it was very easy for me to, find similarities in our belief and to see, um, how a lot of the, how we believed a lot of the same things foundationally, 
um, even if at surface level, it didn't seem like that. We were able to get to some of those like root things. And so I was, I was just reflecting on after my conversation with her, um, which was just so fruitful. Uh, I was, I was reflecting on how we can tend in our current society to, to just jump to just jump straight to the differences and jump to the the ways in which we disagree and and we want to have these these arguments or like we we both want to try to convince the other person that they're wrong and we're right or whatever it is um and and we can often jump to that before even finding the common ground and and i was thinking of the verse a house divided cannot stand and just realizing that like even in this building of friendship there needs to be a foundation of common ground um, in order to build upon it. And, and that's not to say, I'm sure we'll get to this towards the end, but I just want to even, I just want to even give a little bit of a spoiler. Like I'm not in any way saying that we should just entirely avoid or ignore the differences and that we shouldn't have the conversations about the difficult things or the controversial things. I think that does need to happen but the problem is we can jump to those conversations before we even have a found the foundation of relationship and before we even recognize that we're in many ways coming from the same place. And so like, if you don't have that common ground, then there's a lack of safety. And so then both in the conversation are just on the defense. Like that's what happened to me in the grocery store. Like my guards were up, I was feeling, you know, whatever. And so I'm sure I wasn't as open as I could have been, as well. Um, whereas on the plane, I think we were both just so open, uh, because we were really desiring to see the other person and see the common ground. And so I think that applies to this passage from Romans, which I'll, I'll read in a little bit, but it also, I think applies. The reason I thought the two of you were so good at this is because like, or, or so good for this conversation is because father Michael, like you're, you're very good. You talk about this all the time, but like, you're very good at building relationship with non-Catholics and even non-Christians, you know, um, in, especially in like your bar ministry and stuff. And, and Father Travis, you're the same in, especially like your coffee shop ministry and, um, and just really like building relationship with people. And, and I know that both of you have also in many of those relationships, ended up getting to the point of the difficult conversations and the controversial things. Um, but that's just not where you, that's just not what you jump into right away because that's not fruitful because if you don't know that you can trust the person, then why are you going to trust what they have to say? Um, so that's kind of the, the basis of, do, do either of you want to say anything about that before I actually read the passage? Yeah, just a caveat. Like I would do bar ministry too if Dr. Dre went to bars in Moss City. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not the case. So I just- You mean Wharf. Coffee shop. Or Sorry, yeah, Michael, Wharf. Yeah, Michael Dorn. More exciting. Yeah. Michael Dorn. <laughs> yeah, I've, I actually have a lot of uh, non-Catholic Christian friends um, who went to seminary in St. Louis with me, some, some Lutheran buddies, some Presbyterian guys, um, some of the people have converted. And I've appreciated that there's just been this understanding that we can, we could pretty quickly think of the differences that our churches might hold, like theologically, or we could think of the differences of practice, of, of celibacy, of, of the mass, of prayer, whatever it might be. Um, but when we would have different, like, get togethers with the different, um, Protestant seminaries in St. Louis, there was this just awareness of like, well, obviously we're going to lean into the similarities. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're going to, we're on the same team here. Um, which was really helpful. And I think those conversations that have happened with either Christians or like non-Christians, uh, as a priest to kind of back to this, like we're in collar, we're in a habit. People have a lot of assumptions of what they think about us or what they think we believe. But for most of the time, I mean, the, the kind of like hot button issues that like Catholics represent, people already know what those are. So it's not like we have to tell them all of the things that mm -hmm. we have uh, not in common. Like those are usually pretty much like on our sleeve. But it, it's really helpful to just lean into what we do have in common. And that's usually what breaks the mold for me of, of people's idea of the priesthood or people's idea of Catholicism, of Christianity is that, oh, wait, we're interested in the same things. We're like interested in life. We're interested in um, what makes us happy. Like we're interested in the world and art, literature, music, beauty, nature. 
Um, and those are so easy to connect to. And then people start to open up. I just had a talk on a airplane when I was coming here to Denver in the same way that was very open. Um, and the, the woman I was talking to, I think who actually had the exact same name, Laura. Whoa. Yeah. Um, it was the same woman. She, somehow she, yeah. Wow. <laughs> just flying on planes all the time. The openness though that was there was this recognition of, yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about the differences, but that actually wouldn't be very fruitful right now because mm. there's no foundation, like you said, of commonality. But later on, yeah, there's, there's room for that. There's always room for theological like debate and discussion, but that's never the first move. That wasn't mm -hmm. Jesus's first move, just like being super defensive and trying to shut people down. Um, probably should be the same for us. Yeah. I think it's very important to remember um, that like Jesus is at work in this person in whatever way that is in his time. And we're, we're just like a small moment in what he's doing. And so to acknowledge that reality that we're not we're the one that changes their mind, um, but we may be part of what changes their mind. And then to acknowledge that usually if we lead with what we think they need to change, we're only doing that to make ourselves feel better. Like, like we're doing, Hey, I, I, I told them the truth, you know, that, okay, that makes me feel good. But, but there's no love of them there that actually says, do I actually want them to change their heart, whether it's me who does it or not, because Christ is at work. So if I lead with the truth that actually, you know, doesn't do anything, cause I'm not, I'm not meeting them where they are. I'm not considering their loves or anything like that. Um, but I do find the same thing, Father Travis, that you said is that there's so many assumptions that the world has about clergy and about Catholics and about Christians. There's so many assumptions. So sometimes the first step is just like, like removing one of those assumptions or having them question even one of those assumptions, because then they may start questioning more. And, and, and that that's kind of where you can start, you know, hopefully moving with Christ to, to, to lay those assumptions, because that that's the thing is I think that um, one of my spiritual daughters said the other day that, that she was kind of decrying the evils of social media and saying, you know, we, we don't, in real life, we do not lead. Like you, you can have a, you can have a, a conversation on the plane with somebody or a conversation in the vegetable aisle. And, and you do not know within the first five minutes what their political, religious allegiances are. You know, that just doesn't generally happen in real life. Now, again, it happened to you, mother. Um, I get that. But, but generally like on social media, that's what happens. On social media, you have a profile. And your profile says where you stand on all these different issues. So on social media, you do kind of lead with, with those controversial things. Because if people look at your profile or you only have 144 characters, whatever to, on Twitter to, to, to say these things. So it, it can be unlike real life in that way. And yet I wonder if social media is actually starting to form real life. So people actually lead, will lead in the vegetable aisle with things that are controversial because they're so used to doing that on social media. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago, you, they never would have done that. I remember, I remember going to Mexico and they said, the person guiding us said, you walk into a pharmacy, this is their example, you walk into a pharmacy in Mexico and, and you, you, always ask how they're doing, how their family's doing. I and mean, you'll see everybody else do this. There's like a, 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 a encounter of each other in their real life before you even do any business. You know, you have to, how's your family doing? Um, how's the business doing? All these, all these little niceties that can seem annoying to people that are kind of, you know, American and, and so goal driven, but, but the, the, that, that you establish something before you even do any business. And we're so out of that habit. Of, of not only saying what we what we agree on, but what what is our shared humanity, family, culture, even the weather. I mean, that people, it's it's cliche, but you know, we we share we share a we we are victims of the weather. You know, we we all care about the weather because it actually affects our life. Um, so there's something about that establishment of something human before we go into what what separates us from each other. And, and I don't, I don't mean even only like right when you meet someone, the differences are the first thing you talk about. I mean, even, even when you get to the point in relationship that you find out someone's faith, um, then at that point, so many people jump to the differences before, um, before kind of looking at what our faiths have in common, um, and, and what our shared. That's why I think it's, it's yeah. important to say too, that remember i always i always remember that time is a gift from god and in other words this this person has 5 to 50 years 
to come around to the truth. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of time in almost everybody's life. And so the goal is to, is to share the truth of this person so that they will encounter it and the truth and the be- good and the beautiful with by, before they die. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and, and yes, there's an urgency. We could die at any moment, but, but even more so there's, there's all this time. And so if we think we're going to convince them in one conversation, we're kind of denying the fact that time is a gift. We're denying the fact that, that, that God, there, there's steps in here. And part of those steps is maybe one step is just saying, Hey, you know, I met a priest or a nun or a Catholic out and they weren't as evil as I thought. Like they didn't even show their fangs, you know, it was, it's like, you know, th- th- things like that. And, and just one little step because God's at work and, and they have their entire life to come around. And, and, and what is my role in the work of Jesus Christ for this conversation? Well, mother, when you like introduce this, you're talking about my guard was up when you're in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. But in this situation on the, um, on the plane, your guard wasn't up. So it was reciprocated. Then her guard wasn't up and there was this beautiful, mm-hmm. um, conversation that happened and the Holy Spirit could work in there. I had an experience in a similar way of somebody coming at me. Um, there was like three granddaughters of a woman whose funeral I had and they were all going to lecture and they all kind of were like super awkward because they hadn't been to mass for years. And they told me that they're like, we were supposed to lecture. I'm like, I don't know why you're lecturing if you haven't been to mass in years, but whatever. Um, but we're, we're standing at the Ambo in the church, looking at the lectionary and looking at the readings. And one of them made the comment, oh, yeah, I used to do this when I was a kid in school, but I've been to Mass for years. And I just said, oh, why is that? Why'd you guys leave? Mm. And I just, I approached it with just this openness. And so they just started ripping into me with every argument they could think of, just just hurling different, like, uh, there's always been corruption in the church, like all these different things. And uh, something about the scriptures, something about the Mass, something about Mary, all this stuff. And I just listened and I said, wow, thanks for telling me that. And then eventually they just said, wow, um, Thanks for being so open. I didn't feel like I was being open. I just wasn't being super defensive. <laughs> and one of them said, well, yeah, like how else would you win people back to the church, you know, if you weren't trying to be open? I was like, oh, it's like I'm not trying to win you back. I said, I'm just trying to, like, I believe that if you're seeking the truth, you're going to find Jesus Christ. Like, mm-hmm. That's what I hope. That's what I, um, but it was interesting to watch that kind of conversion from defensiveness and like aggression that happened. And just because I had I, been receiving that grace, the Holy Spirit in that moment to be a little bit more open, mm-hmm. it was reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's just where the Holy Spirit can work. It's maybe what the scriptures want to say. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, are you guys ready to hear this passage? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's so good to see you. I feel like I Me don't too. see you anymore, ever. It's not true, but it's what it feels like. Okay. Um, all right, Romans 12, 9 through 21. I'll chant it. I'm just kidding. I'm not chancing it. <laughs> um, so, like I said, in this um, in this edition or whatever, it's uh, labeled as marks of the true Christian. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, so there, there are a couple, a couple lines that strike me right away in relation to what we were just talking about. But do either of you have first thoughts that you want to share? Or would you like me to start it out? No, go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, one of the lines that struck me with, interestingly, this is not one of the lines that I prayed with this morning, but just based on what you said, Father Michael, 
is this line, verse 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And I think that this is very much this concept that you're talking about, Father Michael, of shared humanity. Um, you know, I, I read this book one time that said that um, something that that we all have in common, every every person has in common, is is suffering or poverty. Um, you know, loss. Uh, we we've all experienced suffering in some way, and. So to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep is is very much um, a way in which we can connect with someone um, in our humanity. You know, I, I recently, there was someone at the monastery uh, a few months ago who shared with me, she, she recently lost a parent and, um, and was just really grief stricken by this. And as she shared it with me and I was able to, to step aside from other things going on and to just be present with her. Um, and she shares this with me and she just weeps. Um, and then, um, I, I was just, I hugged her and I was just holding her as she cried. And, um, and I cried with her because I could very much just feel her pain. Um, you know, and she, she later thanked me she for, for allowing her to express her grief. And I thanked her um, for allowing me to share it, you know, um, because it really is that in and of itself is an openness. Like when someone is inviting you to share in their rejoicing or to share in their weeping, that's an openness of um, like, these are, these are places of um, like vast movements in the heart. And, and so like someone's inviting you to, to share in this very like profound place in their life when, when they do that. And, um, and that's really a gift. And I think that's part of like what builds the foundation of relationship in which other conversations can later come. Father Michael, you said at the beginning, like this recognition that Jesus is at work in this person's life. Um, but even that Jesus is at work like right now in front of mm -hmm. me in the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can, I can have an encounter of the like capital O other in the other in front of me. Um, and just thinking about that rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and weeping with those who are weeping. That's what Jesus did mm -hmm. that we see in the gospels. That's what Paul is like living in his own uh, apostolic work, but that's what Jesus is doing right now in us yeah. and it's like so if i can have a relationship with him or i'm recognizing that he's with me in my in my joy my sorrow my consolation desolation then i can actually carry that in i can carry that awareness and that attentiveness to what jesus is doing in me and then have this recognition of wait jesus is wanting to do that in the other mm. in front of me and that's actually an opportunity for me to encounter jesus too not to just like get some sort of self-satisfaction of great more time with god here i can see him no no, no but he wants to be in relationship with this other person, just like he's in relationship with me and that there's some kind of communion that comes about in the midst of that. Um, and that just makes like the shared humanity so much more full. Uh, I live in the Midwest where passive aggression is, you know, it's like, it's what we're, we're the best at, you know? So you just like, you don't really like weep with those who weep because you just like, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's real interesting. And you just move on. Everything's like pretty surface level. Father Travis is very passive aggressively talking about a particular person right now. No, no, no. Like, no. I hope this person listens. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> My friend and I have like this, this like kind of the archetype of like the, like the, the, the Midwest parish yeah. lady that we interact with all the time. Um, and we make jokes about that. But it's because there's like this surface level, you don't really like rejoice fully with those who rejoice. You're not really weeping, uh, really with those who weep. So it's like sharing in humanity, like you got to, mother. Um, those are moments of encounter with God in the other and then in ourselves at the same time. Mm -hmm. There is a, when you were reading that mother, I thought of like a, a second tier that, that if we're going to rejoice or weep there, there's a, an awareness that I think anybody who is, is being intentional about relationship would have. So I experienced this when we went to the Holy land and when we went to Bethlehem, you know, we were obviously meditating upon the incarnation, meditating upon that incarnation being shared. We did the same thing in, in, in uh, 
Nazareth for the uh, Annunciation. So that there's this there's this beautiful moment. Okay, this is we're here where Christ became incarnate. We're here where Christ was born, and. Like at that point, I was when we were in Bethlehem and in Nazareth. I was at the beginning of the pilgrimage, so I didn't know all the pilgrims yet. But it became very obvious real quick, especially because the intentions of my parishioners and friends and family that I brought with me that that this is going to be a place of great rejoicing because Mary got pregnant with Jesus and Mary gave birth to Jesus. But how many people in the midst of their rejoicing because they have not or cannot have children or are trying to have a child is going to be actually weeping? You know, when we went to Cana, we did the the renewal of vows. And it was, it was. I said, even if your spouse is not here, even if your spouse is dead, come up and, and I'm going to give you a blessing for your marriage and Roman Catholics can do a renewal of vows, you know. And, and, so, and so they all came up and it was just my eyes immediately went to all those who were still sitting in the pew, mm-hmm. you know, and th- those who didn't come up. Like there, there's a certain sadness and again people intentions i brought with me so there's a sense of you rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping at the same time mm-hmm. and over the same moment or the same experience when 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 i when people have their friends start dating or get married or get pregnant those are always moments for great rejoicing and yet sadness for people as well because there's this struggle that i want what they have and i want to love and i want to support and i want to rejoice with them but there is still a sadness and so sometimes rejoicing or weeping can actually be a cross you know like i i'm i'm going to rejoice with somebody as 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 a cross because i want to and i want to be authentic i can make as authentic as i can but there's still that cross i think in the roman catholic wedding ceremony there's a prayer for, correct me if I'm wrong, Father Travis, there's a prayer for those who are lonely. Is there a prayer? Father Dufresne, we're asking all the wrong questions. Neither of them know. That sounds cool, but I don't think it's Okay. I, 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 maybe it was like one of the Kayla, prayers of the know? faithful. Oh, it could be. <laughs> Kayla doesn't know. Yeah. Maybe it's one of the prayers of the faithful. Yeah, exactly. One of the options. Yeah, that could be. Anyway. Okay. Uh, but so, in other words, there is sometimes the, those we're are the same time checking. and the same Father place. Dufresne's got, he's, he's okay. <laughs> You, so, you've honestly probably celebrated more Roman weddings. Yeah, than that's I true. Have. I probably have. So you probably know as a, as an old by ritual priest. Yeah. Yeah. Old, old priest. <laughs> <laughs> what does his baldness have anything to do with it? Just my age. Priest, you know? Actually, I was I was I was bald at your age, Father Travis. Yeah. So that's not that's not actually saying my old gray priest. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in love. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'll take were, it. What, what else were you, were you going anywhere else with that or just, no, I, I think it's else? just, and then uh, reflecting what F- father Travis said, I do think that there's something, um, because of my phlegmatic single personality, I, I do, I will drive away from every social hangout that I have and I will like analyze it and I will thank God. For it. And I, I know that most people, most people leave social situations like really angry with themselves over what they did or said wrong. Um, I'm the exact opposite. I like, 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 like last night. This girl, like, man, I was amazing tonight. Well, I, no, 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 like, it's not me. It's, it's, it's Jesus. So like, 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 so last night I go, I go to Casita, my new, my new, one of my new two hangouts. And, and one of the greeters I've only interacted with once. And I sit down at the bar and then she comes over a greeters host a hostess. I don't know hostess. what the proper term is. Hostess. So she comes over like <laughs> greeters are a Walmart. So, that's a church thing. Or a Walmart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she comes over like so excited. She's like, Oh my gosh, father. So good to see you. Now I literally, before I like focus on who it is, I just go to give her a hug and I've never given this girl a hug in my life. And I just thought, and, and I, so I, I gave her a hug and I took a step back and I was like, I normally would not have done that. Like I normally wouldn't have been so like forward with, with the greeting. Um, but then I thought, you know what? I would much rather, I've thought about this many times. I would much rather be the awkward one in, in social situations so they don't have to. Cause like if, if, if I went, I went for the handshake and she went for the hug, then I would be, I would feel like, Oh man, I like, I should have just like, gone in for the hug. So I'd rather go in anyway. This is a really weird thing that's in my head often, but I, I, I like, I remember when I was dating, I would much rather provide an opportunity for me to feel embarrassed than for them. I guess that's kind of love, but it, it was, uh, you know, it, just, if you go out of your way to, to be the awkward one, then they don't have to be, you know, that's in, why, in a, in a that's sense. That's why I'm so awkward, you guys. 
You try. I'm trying. <laughs> she has a ministry of awkwardness. Oh, that's a hashtag. More, yeah. yeah. Ministry of awkwardness. Mm. That's going um, on I need to. I need to break off into a cowboy for a second. Um, okay. And which is ironic because I'm at Perlis. But uh, <laughs> I was on a run. This is. Oh my gosh. I was on a run last week and Mark, the UPS guy. Um, <laughs> so we're very familiar with our UPS guy. Right. And he like on his day off, he's brought his mom to come meet us. And like, we've met his wife and there's like, anyways, Mark loves us. We love Mark. So Mark is driving by. But you might not on have my said run. that out loud before. <laughs> this is a bad story. Oh, this is a different story. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so on this run, I, um, as Mark drives up, I blow him a kiss. Only to realize it's not Mark. Oh, <laughs> and I'm just like different UPS guy. Different UPS guy. <laughs> there was another bearded UPS man, and Mark must have had the day off, and I didn't know. And so this guy had taken his place. And so the guy just waves at me and keeps going. And I'm like, it's weird. But I was doing it because I was trying to be awkward so that he didn't feel awkward. It's very nice of you. <laughs> he probably thinks you're some weird Amish Muslim. <laughs> Um, it's just like, thanks. Yeah, that's actually what Send I was telling this story to someone. Kiss. I was sending, I was telling someone this story and they were like, yeah, he probably drove by and was like, the Amish are a little frisky today. <laughs> 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 um, it was, they don't yeah. get out much. <laughs> Anyways, so that's, I'm glad we got on this topic. Um, back to St. Paul. Is that cool? You're leading. Do it. Okay. Just go. So, the other thing that I wanted to mention, well, the other two parts of it that really struck me in this reading, um, verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. And I think this is the, this is part of the, like starting with what we have in common. Um, like that's where the harmony comes from. And I think that you can, while having harmony, still discuss different beliefs. And I think it's very much an, a matter of the attitude and the spirit with which those conversations happen. Um, but, but to then say never be conceited. Um, you know, like St. Paul is also obviously very adamant that we need to preach boldly the truth, that we need to... Um, like know our faith and always be able to defend it and all of that. So St. Paul is not one to say like, we need to just um, like never talk about those things and pretend like differences don't exist and so on and so forth. But he does say right here, never be conceited, mm -hmm. which means that even when we are, are having a conversation in which we are fully confident in the truth of what we're saying, we need to do so without conceit. We need to, as he says, associate with the lowly, right? We need to be, as Jesus says, meek and lowly of heart. And, um, and, and it's just like, you know, the, the very first verse, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Like people know when you're being false, you know, like even if you're like saying kind things with a smile on your face, like, you know, like people, people can feel when you're, when you're being fake with them. And, um, and so our love needs to be genuine and it needs to be without conceit. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. As you're saying that though, I'm, I'm thinking about St. Paul. Like, so he's writing to the church and he's writing like both ad intra, ad extra to the community itself. So we're thinking about it kind of like when we're interacting with these people who think differently from us in the world or, wherever we might encounter people who disagree with us, but it's got to happen first in community. I mean, mm. you're living in a monastery, mother. Um, we're, we're living in presbyterates or in like in parish life. Um, and that's, that's the challenge that St. Paul gives. It's like, if that's not happening first, like at home, then mm -hmm. yeah, it might be a nice like chat in a bar, like at a, on a plane ride, but like, that's got to happen first, like on the, on the daily basis in our, in our life as Christians. But that's, that's beautiful. I, he always has that, formation of the, of the body of Christ, um, of the church of the community he's writing to, but then it also calls us out of that community. Um, but that harmony, like even 
community, common life, there has to be some melody that then harmonies you can kind of riff off of. There's got to be that mm. consistency and the uh, the commonality. Um, it's like that's the preparation for evangelization. That's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's always that going out and coming back, receiving that formation at home, at the monastery, at the rectory, at common life in the diocese to go out to evangelize. Yeah. I think too that because I know I know a lot of people. My mom told me this when I was 16 that I was out serving the homeless all the time thinking that I was all cool and helpful and loving and my mom was like you're never home charity begins at home like why are you out there loving on them when we actually need you here and it was it was a great conviction um, when I was young even but I think that for those like all of us that are hearing this and be like oh man like loving those that are closest to you is the hardest love because it's Mm. the most real it's the most it, it actually affects our real life we can't escape it you know, we can't we can't get away and go hold ourselves up. Um, we were we were talking at a at a clergy conference recently about um, one of the tendencies when you take over a parish and when it gets when it gets hard is just isolate. And 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 the guy guiding it said you cannot do that. You 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 need to lean in. And and it's kind of like one of those jokes about celibacy, right? You can, you can get your nieces and nephews or parish kids all riled up and you get then you get to go home and they they had to go home and their parents have to deal with you know what what you did getting them all riled up before bed um so i I think it it is harder to love those closest to us it's harder to to love those in our own families in our own communities attended communities and so it may seem it may some people may hear this and be despairing like well how am i supposed to do any ministry because my home life or my parish life or my monastery life is is horrible and I, i think you can actually let your love of those on the outside and how easy that is affect and inspire the love of being home. It's almost like when we, we tell people all the time, you know, would you, would you, would you do, how do I put this? Like, I, I'll just use strong language. Like, would you hate anybody in your life as much as you hate yourself? You know, mm. it, it, you, you think God wants to destroy and punish you. Is there anyone in your life who you want to do to what you think God wants to do to you or, or how impatient he is with you or how angry he gets with you. And we say that all the time, you know, if you have children, you know, would you punish your child for something as small as you did that you think God's going to punish you and that you hate yourself for? So we can sometimes use the, the example and the experience of loving people that are easier to love to say, am I treating my own spouse or my own kids or my own parents as well as I'm treating someone I just met? No, but I, I, I can let the, the easy love in a sense of those I just met or those who are outside in the world, I can let that inspire me to love those at home better. So I can kind of do both at the same time. And it's not like I'm not loving those well on the outside if I'm not loving people at home well, because the two can inspire each other. I can learn how to love those who are out in the world or those I don't know so well. I can learn to love them by loving those at home. This is what I tell every kid in confession, right? You need to love your parents, your siblings, because by doing that, you're learning how to love, and then you'll be able to love your spouse better, or love your parishioners better, or love your sisters better in the monastery, whatever it is. So that they they can teach each other. So like, don't despair if if your home life is horrible that you can't now do any charity. You can actually do charity, but let that help you make your home life better by by loving those who are easy to love. Then you may actually begin to to learn how to love those who are harder to love. Yeah, and then likewise, it's like don't despair if you don't have personalities that makes you want to go talk to randos in a bar or coffee shop. Like mm-hmm. that can feel pretty like debilitating too. And it's like, well, gosh, like I'll never be an evangeliz- evangelizer like Father Michael, or Father Travis, like going out with these random people. And we have lives, personalities that are kind of like attuned to that, and that the Lord gives us like a charism for that. But what's great then? It's like okay, great. Then just take the next step out of your family, out of your community. Take the next step toward meeting somebody with this kind of. Um, it's like human commonality um, and taking the next step from there. Yeah. I like the, just the next level of community where there's someone at your parish or someone in your workplace or some of the supermarket that just, you know, seems interested to talk to. And, and again, I, I, I highly recommend it. It's not for everybody, but I highly recommend just like being leaning into awkwardness. So the other person doesn't have to, you know, be the first to start a conversation. And it may be totally awkward, but hey, you're doing a mission. You're doing a, a ministry, a charity by uh, by allowing you to be the one who's awkward rather than them. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most 
like probably most listeners of this podcast. Like, I think you're going to say the most awkward thing most I've awkward ever seen. Thing. Thing. I could <laughs> probably think of that right now. Uh, the dorky most moments are abundant uh, from those early days at the monastery. Uh, now, I think most people who listen to this podcast go to church every Sunday. Um, maybe not, but hopefully. There, I've just talked to so many people who've moved to a city, moved to a parish, moved to a community, and they will go to they will go to mass. They'll go to church for for like three years, and they're always going by themselves, and no one ever talks to them. Mm. Like this isn't as common in little tiny like they feel. Would you parishes. say they feel outcast? One might say they feel like an outcast Catholic. <laughs> um, that's the name of his that's podcast. The name of podcast. <laughs> but like, yeah, it it feels kind of awkward just to like walk up to somebody and talk to them if you've if you've never talked to them before. It feels very comfortable to stay really close to the people that you know uh, because there's not a lot of room for uncomfortability in that moment. Um, but yeah, there's a small moment of awkward of like going in for a hug, like you said, Father Michael. If mm-hmm. it's like the kind of, uh, 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 but you just move through it, you lean into it, and then all of a sudden. You just made a connection with somebody that otherwise would have had nobody to talk to them that day. I would just add another week to their, you know, three-year experience of feeling outcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, there was one last thing I wanted to share. Um, well, I don't know. There was more about the passage, but maybe I'll I'll just share quickly the the other parts of the passage that I was most struck by. The the one is when St. Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Um, and I think that that's important. I don't think we have time to go into it. But then also the last line of the passage I read, which is, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Which this is this is the conversation that we've had multiple times on this podcast, which is... Um, like, this is what I admire so much. Well, there's a lot that I admire, but it's one of the things that I admire so much in Archbishop Chapu is he's so good at like preaching goodness and truth, um, even in response to like what certain people post um, or what certain people preach or whatever, um, without feeling the need to tear down the person who's saying this thing he disagrees with. Like, he's just so confident in the goodness and truth of what he's saying that he doesn't feel the need to um to to kind of make any of those deriding comments and i'm really moved by that you know and really convicted by that because when we get nervous and when we feel insecure we can start to tend towards that instead of just like just trusting that that goodness wins and trusting that the truth wins and trusting that beauty wins um and then uh and and it's important to just we need to be open to relationships with people who disagree with us. You know, I was talking with a friend recently about how, you know, you'll see things on social media where people are like, oh, well, you know, if you disagree with this, then I don't want to be friends with you. I never want to talk to you. Or like, if you agree with that thing, then, um, then just unfriend me and, you know, things like that. And it's like, how are we ever going to learn anything different than ourselves if we're only willing to surround ourselves with the people who think exactly like us (laughs) um and and like how do we grow how are we challenged and how do we love you know it's kind of like what saint basil says in his like the rule the rule of saint basil we call it the rule of saint basil but it's really just like a people ask saint basil questions his disciples and he answers the questions and then it was compiled into what's now called the rule of St. Basil. But one of those questions, you know, he was asked whether he thinks the solitary life or the community life is better. And he says the community life. And one of the reasons he says the community life is he says, if you lived alone, whose feet would you wash? And I think it's similar of if you're only around people who agree with everything you say, then how are you, how are you growing and how are you loving? Like, how are you giving of yourself and being open to this other person, if that's the case. So the last thing I wanted to mention, which I think just summarizes the the entire passage by St. Paul, is, you know, in the, um, in the, one of the Eastern traditions, um, at our life profession, we receive this, um, this piece of cloth that we were around our neck, um, that's called the Paramandias, or the Paramandias, and, um, and it's got, it's got the cross on it, um, with, if I remember to ask for it, maybe this can be one of the graphics for today's episodes, but um, it's got the cross and the instruments of the passion. Um, and then around it, it says, um, 
St. Paul, I bear the wounds of my Lord Jesus Christ on my body. Um, and so we wear this as a reminder of, um, of that. And so just as this passage is called the marks, the marks of the true Christian, um, like that is the mark of a true Christian. Those of us who are, who are bearing the wounds of Christ on our bodies, those of us who are loving as Christ loves, like that's what it is to be Christian. Um, and, and loving like Christ is exactly what, what Paul describes in this whole passage, right? Like these are all the ways in which Jesus Christ loves us. And, and to go back to this like concept of, um, letting that love pour out upon all and not just the people that we agree with. Um, or something that you and that the two of you were talking about remind me of this too, but I can't think of what it is now. But this fact of like what I've said on the podcast before of just that, that Jesus pours himself out on the cross for John, just as much as for Mary, just as much as for Judas, like his, his love is not, um, he doesn't restrict giving love to only those who are in agreement with him. And so like, why would we take that upon ourselves um, as those who are following him? Um, yeah. One quick reflection on that last line that you read, Mother, do not be overcome by evil, but, let, but overcome evil with good. I think it's very important to remember that God distributes his, his graces according to his will and therefore very personally. So I've always imagined getting before the throne of God and and he said, why did you lash out at that person? And I say, well, because they lashed out at me. And he, he said, yes, but in that moment, I gave you the grace to not lash out and I didn't give them the grace to not lash out. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I allowed them to lash out because I needed you to not lash out and answer their passion and rage with goodness. And that was going to change their heart. I gave you the grace to do that, but you were responding to their emotion and their affecting of you much more than you were, you were responding to mine. And so is this what's happening every time in spiritual direction when I'm yelling at you and you're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's a temperament thing. I, I can't call it virtue. <laughs> um, but, the, but the, you know, the, there is this sense of like, if we, it, it, our justice says, I give you back what you're giving me. If you insult me on social media, I'm going to insult you back. And that's just, well, that, that, that completely neglects grace. It completely neglects the fact that God gives graces where he will, when he will, and for his own purposes that lead to the kingdom of God, that lead to heaven and the salvation of souls. So we, we have to be, have a very personal discernment of those moments and assume that when evil is thrown at us, we do not respond with evil, but we, rather we overcome it with good. And that if that's the case, God has given us the ability to do that and he maybe has not given them. So we mm -hmm. cannot condemn them. We cannot rage on them. We cannot critique them for, for not having responded the right way because maybe God didn't give them the grace, even though he gave it to us. And that there, there's a, a perception of God's will where we, we cannot say, because I live in a society that glorifies these things, therefore I'm, I'm, I'm part of them. You know, I can't tell you how many times in confession I've heard, um, well, Father, I'm single, so therefore I look at pornography. I'm like, no, that doesn't follow. You know, it, it's, it, it's not because you're single. Um, you know, that there's, you, 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 God is going to give you the strength to, even though you're not sleeping with anybody that, that you can actually be chaste and pure, you know? And, and so, so if, if you think that, you know, getting a girlfriend or getting married is going to solve that, you're wrong too, you know? And then I can tell you, I hear confessions about that as well. So there's, there, there's a, you know, one thing we are not victims of evil. We are in this way. God gives the grace where he will, and we cannot cry out our own justice and respond because of our situation or because of the world or because of what someone did to us um, that completely neglects God's goodness and his grace to us. Yeah. One last thought I had, um, it's about how fruitful this attentiveness is. I've started um, reading uh, school of community uh, with communal liberation. Um, and the work right now is from the spiritual exercises that the fraternity just went through recently. And the author, I forget his name, he, he talks about this attentiveness in silence that becomes fruitful. And the question I was left with, left with was, well, what is this fruitfulness? And I think that last line of that passage you read, Mother, that overcoming evil by the power of good, the goodness is the fruitfulness of the attentiveness in the moment of this woman on the, uh, on the airplane, in the moment of somebody at the restaurant at the bar. 
in the moment of encountering another who's got this difference, um, who's got this aggression, um, but the attentiveness in this kind of silence of our hearts of, like you just said, Father Michael, what grace has God given me in this moment to, to be humbled, to, to receive another's peace, peacefulness, um, irenicism, or, or to be the one who's offering that. Um, that's, that's beautiful. And that's just really affirming that, that attentiveness is fruitful. Um, it's, it's not for, it's not just because of a personality, but it's like, if we can be, um, aware of how the Holy Spirit's acting in a moment in my heart, being aware of how Jesus is acting in others, um, in that it be, it becomes fruitful because the goodness of Christ is diffusive and it can become diffusive through us, which is just such a beautiful encouragement toward not despair, like you said before, but toward a, a deeper attentiveness toward the other in front of me because it's attentiveness towards Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anything else, Father Michael, before we wrap up? Nope. I'm good. Okay. Great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Um, please, um, you can check out Father Michael. What, I mean, Father Travis, why don't you do the things? I don't know the things. You do know the things. The things where you guys are present yeah. on social media? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know where you're at. Just all the things. Just I, say them. Just say all the things. I know you're on Instagram because you had it in your nun phone, and I was a little scandalized by that. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, what got it not on Instagram? The, obviously, this podcast you're listening to. Um, rate and review and stuff. Rate and review mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts. I get that gives the mm-hmm. you know that's good mm-hmm. um, for something I've heard. Um, you got this like book list thing that I don't actually know good about. Reads. Yeah, I don't really read, read that much, so I haven't checked that one out. <laughs> um, then you always reference Father Michael's got a Twitter account or something. At Padre Michael O. Okay. Um, he's not featured as a little homies character on that yet, <laughs> but that might come with a new um, venture. <laughs> and that's all I know. Is there anything else? Um, Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Email whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Unless it's mean, in which case don't email us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. And... Um, the we have a nonprofit, Fotina, P H O Tina dot org. And um by the way, I told some friends my idea of doing a nonprofit trip and hiking a 14er and calling it Fotiner. And um thank you for the laughs. That's pretty good. Um and mostly they pretended like they didn't like it, but one guy admitted that he was like, This is the kind of thing that um I wish I wasn't uh, so impressed by. <laughs> like he was like, I, I wish I didn't think it was so clever, but I do. Um, so Fotina. If you want to listen to uh, two Midwest priests stuff, you can go on Outcast Catholic podcast. That's true. There you go. Outcast Catholic is Father Travis's podcast with Father Shane Demon. That's all the things I think. Is that right? Okay. So prayer intentions. Um, I'd like to ask you each to maybe. Pray for, think of, think of three people um, that, oh, Jelly, Jelly, Perla, Perla wants you to pray for her, pray for Perla. And then also think of three people that um, you, we're not praying that you get rich, Perla. Focus. <laughs> um, the, the, no. Um, so pray for, think of three people with whom, um, you really have a hard time living peaceably, um, maybe within your, your family or your community or your parish, um, and, uh, and pray for them and pray for the grace to, um, to be open to fruitful relationship with them. Father Travis. Is it me? Sure. Um, Gosh, I was just invited to be the new vocation director for my diocese, so please pray for vocations to the Diocese of Sioux City. That'd be appreciated. And I just uh, scrawled four names that came up of people that I've interacted with in a similar way to your topic today, Mother. So please pray for Max, Angelica, Sam, and Aaron. Okay. Great. Yeah, that's Jelly's name, Angelica. Uh, Okay, great. Um... Father Travis, Father Michael, it's been great to be with you guys. Love you both very much. Love y'all too. Love you listeners. And Father Travis, can you give us a blessing? I suppose. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May give you peace and may he fill your heart 
with the peace of Christ that overpowers all evil with the power of good. May he give you an attentiveness towards the others in your life whom he wants to reveal himself through. May he give you a peacefulness of heart to be receptive to others, um, to be freed from all defensiveness, to be freed from all anxiety or fear and in interactions with others. May he be present in your homes and your families, your communities and friendships to build up the body of Christ, to then go out and to fill the world with the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding that continues to overcome evil in our world. May he root out all anxiety from your hearts that may be filled with his peace and be a, a beacon of hope to a world that longs for peace. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.